1: So we create software for vending machines and kiosks, which are touchless, contactless, humanless, frictionless retail technology. When you use a kiosk, you do everything on your own. And so when COVID hit and we did not know what the path forward was, we're talking about this time last year when this was a new thing. And everyone's like, oh, my God, is the world ending? What's going
2: on? How you day? How you day? That was the voice of dawn. And let me tell you something. We are in a time where creating wealth looks a lot different than it used to in the generations past, right? We can create wealth in multiple ways if we truly do the research. And today's guest is someone who has done just that. She has found a way to generate income and wealth for a community simultaneously. In the episode, you're gonna find a unique opportunity for you to be an investor in a company she's building. The company that she's building and developing is bound to shape the future of what retail is as is the case with many investments it's wildly speculative but i do think it's an interesting way for you to get involved with something amongst you know other people as well but also you know depending on what level of risk you want you get to dictate that there are multiple tiers for you to crowdfund if you will but it's not actually crowdfunded there's a there's a different term you you hear in the episode but there's a there are multiple ways for you to get involved in this investment opportunity and beyond that, I just love her story and her ability to see problems and to be a problem solver. And many of you listen to the podcast know I often say entrepreneurship is problem solving. The ability to identify a problem and create a solution usually allows you to be successful if you stay consistent at it. So listen to the episode, listen to her story, and maybe you're going to find yourself in it or maybe it will awaken an entrepreneurship spirit that you didn't know needed waking up enjoy the episode welcome everyone to another episode of as told by nomads today's guest is don dixon of now she is the ceo of popcom which is an automated retail company that uses facial recognition ai and blockchain technology to help retailers collect valuable customer insights we're going to be talking about her journey as a serial entrepreneur she's been doing this for over 16 years. It's a lot of time. And she's been doing that across several fields marketing and business development. And she's also launched four successful cash flow positive companies since 2002. I know many of you listening are thinking about launching one company. You're thinking about setting up the, the infrastructure to make sure that you have sustainable income. Well, this is the episode for that. Welcome to the show, Don.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Tayo. I'm so glad you. Hey,
2: the pleasure is mine. Yes, I am from Nigeria, <laughs> so I know we have that connection. But it, it, it is—I'm it is, moving
1: there. You know, are my you are? is Nigerian. I'm a newlywed. I've been married for a year. It'll be a year next week, and we oh. are moving to Lagos. You
2: are, you are moving to my hometown. Oh yes, my goodness! I love
1: it. I've been there once, and it's an amazing place, and I fell in love with it, and the people and the culture and can't wait to be there.
2: I, I, I love, I love hearing that. You know, so this is, this is a win for the for Black Diaspora, right? So we're, mm-hmm. we're getting one step closer to connecting to our roots and, and, and that's amazing. And speaking of roots, by the way, it sounds like, you know, you've been doing this for over 16 years. But exactly I mean,
1: twenty. This is my twentieth year of entrepreneurship. So I man, could actually Twenty
2: care. years. Well, well, let's start there. What years, got you? Girl. What got you there, though? Because is that was that the path that you saw as, as a kid? Did you think I'm going to be an entrepreneur?
1: Um, no, because it wasn't a word that we talked about back in the early '80s when I was a kid, and it wasn't. You know, my family had small business. My mom had a home daycare with, you know, a whole daycare business and. And, and she was, you know, working with kids and tutoring children. I apologize for my ring on my daughter's no. phone. It's okay. Um, and um, my father, he had a home rehab business and um, he invested in flipped houses. And those were businesses. They, they were entrepreneurs. Mm. But no one said those words. And no one encouraged that. You know, it come from a time when, you know, my grandparents weren't even able to have the same advantages as far as education and things that were I was in my generation. So my generation, the whole focus was go to college, you know, get a corporate job and retire from that job. It was not encouraging entrepreneurship in any way, but I did feel, you know, within myself, I felt that I wanted to be free and be on my own.
2: Hmm. And then, and then you launched, you launched a few, you've launched four, right? Four successful companies. So what, what, what was the path? What was the first thing you figured that you could solve? I always tell people entrepreneurship is problem solving. So what was it, the first, yeah, what was the first problem you wanted to solve? Problem
1: solving. And every one of my businesses, and it's actually five businesses now, every one of my businesses has been as a result of a problem that I experienced firsthand. And my mm-hmm. very first business was called the Urban Star in 2001, after I finished going to school for IT and I was working a corporate job. Um, and that's when I got like the... You know the the itch the entrepreneur itch but again it was just like hey there's a problem that i can solve and i have the skill set to do it and urban star was essentially a online entertainment information social platform in the early days before there was any social media but we we listed events uh, restaurants concerts it's all the activities going around in central ohio where i was born and raised and also went to college and then we would do um, streaming music, feature a local artist on our website each week. We would we would send a video um, camera out to shoot events because there was no social media, there was no streaming of anything. So we were very early in that and we did really well. We we made a lot of our money from email marketing. So putting ads in, on our website in the early days of ad, online ads and then email marketing ads. And we got really good um, money from sending out email blasts with ads to our newsletter list because we have one of the first, if not the first, large email list in the city of people looking for things to do. And mm-hmm. so that, 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 just, that early success as an entrepreneur, my very first business was very successful for me. Full-time, I worked the business and it was financially successful. That gave me the encouragement to continue like that you know that was a great experience for me to to win on my first time out the gate it gave me the <laughs> confidence to keep going
2: and then and then and then you did and you got to another business and when did you actually quit you know your your corporate job
1: I quit my corporate job eight months after starting it so um I worked my corporate job eight months total and I and I had started my business while I was at my corporate job so I quit my it was about four months from after starting the business, once I knew that revenue was coming in, once I knew that I could supplement supplement my income and pay all my bills with the money I was making with my business, that's all I needed. And so I quit.
2: Perfect. And then the reason why I like having the journey be a focus for a lot of the guests is because I, I I want people to understand that they're unique paths, right? Sometimes you could be in the middle of something. And then you, an idea pops in your head and then you figure out, whoa, okay, I got there. So you figure out that you needed to solve this problem in the entertainment industry. And then you got into there and then you started working. But were there anything, that you, I'm sorry, were there things rather that you learned in the journey that you wish you had known before, you know, whether it's dealing with partnerships or raising money or understanding audiences and things like that? What were those things that you probably... Um, which are more part of our lexicon in schools?
1: From, from my very first business, I think just general business skills, and understanding how to communicate and articulate a business on paper and, and put that down and really do the research. Because again, you have to think about it. This was almost, basic, this was 20 years ago. Yeah. The same resources that are out today were not available or even invented yet yeah. um, 20 years ago. And when I was going to school, as I said, the path for public school kids, and for me, my this is for my first experience, I can't speak for anyone else, but the path for me and my friends and my community was black kids go to college, get a good job because we weren't able to get these opportunities and you guys are the future. And so no one was saying, hey, you want to start a business and this is what you need to write a business plan. And this is how you evaluate you know, potential you know, target market. And this is how you understand product market fit. These were not anything. They were, the school system prepares you to be a worker.
2: Yeah. Yes, not right.
1: be a boss or a leader or innovator or entrepreneur. So everything I had to learn on my own.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously you went on to build, uh, you know, uh, I guess four more, cause you say you're in your fifth business. Now your fifth business here, you, 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 what you're working on here, this is a big deal because you're dealing with AI. And I, I, I so my business is, I run a diversity, equity, and inclusion firm and, I'm working with companies from all sorts of industries. And whenever I work with tech companies, this particular point that you bring up, AI, you know, blockchain, this has been something that we've been discussing and how to make more inclusive. So I, I'm just, I'm curious how you found your way into facial recognition, AI and blockchain.
1: Well, I mean, I have a technology background and I'm, I'm definitely a techie, a tech nerd and always studying trends. And even though I wasn't really in in a deep tech business in 2011, with flat out of heels, that's what that's what led me to the idea of just using these technologies in the automated retail and vending space. So it wasn't just like, hey, you know, let me try out machine learning and face recognition. It was, more, so what <laughs> tools can I use to yeah. in, to to empower my business and allow us to to collect the data that we're trying to collect? And essentially, what Popcom does is that we allow retailers or enable retailers to collect customer data and information from and about the customer at the point of sale in front of the vending machine so we'll count traffic so the facial recognition is used to count how many people walk by the machine mm-hmm. and compare that against purchases to then calculate a conversion rate the, the facial recognition and essentially a special detection because we're not taking identifying information just a general demographic profile like the customer's approximate age and their gender. And then of course, um, delivering target ads and and targeted product suggestions. Now, my idea was to bring the e-commerce experience to vending and anyone that's familiar with e-commerce will know that when you're shopping on a website, Google Analytics or some type of tool is actually monitoring your behavior on that website, where you come from, where you're logging in from, how long you spend on that site, what are you clicking on and looking at, how long you're on each page and ultimately do you complete a purchase and then it's creating a lead and a customer profile that when you come back or if you abandon your cart, they're gonna say, hey, you abandon your cart. But in the physical retail environment, there was no tools that existed to do this, to generate leads, remarket, retarget and understand conversions. And so I, that's how I got to face recognition because I said, well, we don't have an IP address like Google Analytics does. But what do we have in order to understand what's happening? And it is the human body. It is the person. And so that's where the facial recognition came from, is just to be able to understand traffic patterns and demographic data. And then the machine learning comes in as we are continuing to collect data to understand consumer behaviors, how they're engaging, how long, what ads work, what doesn't work, what colors work, what placement works. So that's where the machine gets smarter and smarter with every transaction.
2: Right, you, you're working with customers and you're understanding metrics at the same time, uh, especially with, with the world that we live in. It, it, I guess my question for you then has to do with, if you think about the world now, you know, we, we're very much in the pandemic world, which has uh, created a, a new normal. Has that affected your business?
1: In a positive way. Um, for So I have multiple businesses now, but speaking of just particularly speaking from um, Popcom for pop Yeah, se, Definitely in a positive way because it increased the demand for our services and our technology. So we create software for vending machines and kiosks, um, which are touchless, contactless, humanless, frictionless retail technology. When you use a kiosk, you do everything on your own. And so when COVID hit and we did not know what the path forward was, we're talking about this time last year when this was a new thing and everyone's like, oh, my God, is the world ending? What's going on? <laughs> How, you know, retailers are like, oh, my God, is nobody ever going to walk into a store again? what can we do? And it's really finding a way to sell a product and and deliver a product direct to customer without that human friction, without the possibility of catching COVID at that time. But it trained people even more to look to automation and self-service overall. You see it in airports, you see it in the grocery stores, and now you're going to see it in restaurants and everywhere else. So for us, in the business of supplying technology for these kiosk and bidding machines, it actually accelerated our business.
2: That's and you know that makes sense. And I listened to you, I, I wouldn't even, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't think of it, but that, that is the interesting, uh, I guess, uh, paradox of what's happened with the world today. Many people have found themselves at home. Many people have found themselves being careful about what they touch and finding automated ways to do things. And what you're working with is, you define it as the technology of tomorrow except you're bringing it today <laughs> and 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 you're you're partnering with all these types of companies to do so who are the most ideal partners for these for these uh, uh solutions that you're offering
1: we work with retailers so we have two types of customers we have retailers that uh, essentially lease or purchase a, mm-hmm. a machine from popcom we have the pop shop which is our patented and proprietary vending machine we call it a a digital pop-up shop because it's so much more than just a vending machine Mm -hmm. and then we have the capabilities to integrate our technology into refrigeration machines and other machines that retailers need So retailers come to us and say we want to find a way to sell our product direct to customer can you help we also have vending manufacturers who make new vending machine hardware but they need technology to make their hardware smarter and they wanna integrate our software into their machines to deliver their machines to their customers with better software solutions. So those are the two customers that we focus on. And then as a result of dealing with these two customers, we kind of like by default work with venues because there's venues that reach out to us and say, hey, we see you're doing these machines and can you put one in our venue? Well, we don't place them, but we do have this network we've created that gives our retailers essentially a, a pipeline to over 600 venues they can choose from to place their machine.
2: Yeah, I, I, I love that because I'm on your website now and, and I click Pop Shop Local, which I, I believe is what you were talking about. And it says yes. Pop Shop Local connects brands with high spending consumers. So if, if people, if brands want to get themselves featured, you, you know they can work with you, it sounds like. Absolutely. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They
1: just, all they have to do is just apply on our website under Pop Shop Local. And Pop Shop Local is just a way for us to empower and engage small, medium-sized businesses, which, which are the retailers that were hit the hardest in COVID. These big retailers, they were able to bounce back, whether they got a humongous PPP loan to save them, or they just had enough money to maybe close down a few stores but keep going. But if you're a small and medium sized business and you don't have ability to get your inventory or you don't have the ability to open up a store and maybe you're not being able to ship your product on time because of UPS delays, USPS delays, all these things that were happening, we are giving them opportunity to sell direct to customer in a location where people are looking for things to buy, which are hotels, airports and conference centers. People are still in these places. Yes, it's reduced as people are traveling less, but people are certainly still traveling. And this is giving them. Again,
2: just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti racist. And it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective, and the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses, it's a mix of resources, things you can download, and all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out, use it with your friends, use it with your family, use it with yourself, okay? The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective, and it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, and and the good thing about what what you're doing as well is Yes, you work with big companies as well, but the small, medium-sized companies, like you said, are, are not affected. I'm also curious, though, because, you know, you, you, you're, in, you're, in, 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 you're moving. You're moving to my hometown, Lagos, Nigeria, which means I imagine you're going to be running the business from there. But I can also imagine the opportunities that come from extending into an international market and, and helping people do that. Do you have plans for that uh, in the next five years or so?
1: Oh, now, right now. Oh,
2: even now? Okay, well, never mind. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so we, even We have yeah. international customers now. We have a customer in the Netherlands. We haven't been able to deploy that customer because of COVID, but hopefully course. This will, it'll be lifted soon with all the things that are going on. And then we have customers in the Middle East um, that we're you know, very close to going live with. And so right away, we're a global thinking business because I was inspired by the work that I've seen being done in China and Japan around automated retail. So we're yeah. definitely global. And in Nigeria, you know, honestly, we're moving to Lagos and have a home in Lagos, but the business is currently based in Columbus, Ohio. My entire team is not moving to Lagos. so
2: we'll This still is for be you.
1: <laughs> we'll still definitely be headquartered here. And I see myself just living in both, just continuing to travel between, you know, there where my husband is born and raised and in, in Ohio where the company is based. And then around the country because we have, customers all over. I travel frequently, even now, even, you know, right after COVID I started traveling again. And I think June because this yeah. had to continue and we had to find a new manufacturer last year because of things that happened in China around, around COVID. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: no, I, I love that in the audience, obviously loves that too. The podcast is called as told by nomads. It's full of change makers who are interested in, in solving problems in, in, on the global level with you. I think you call what you do brand intelligence or I guess you have built for brand intelligence is what it's. Yes. Uh, What is brand intelligence? I'm all about branding. I don't think I've ever heard brand intelligence before.
1: You know, I think it's something that my business development team came up with just to say that they're helping brands make intelligent decisions around where to place their products, understanding deeper metrics about your customers because there's a lot of assumptions made with retailers. I can give a really a good example um, there's a brand called bevel and in all of the marketing when bevel came out you see nas and rappers and all the black men using this very you know new and sleek type of razor because it's targeted towards shaving for black men and that was the assumption when this was created that black men need a new type of razor it ended up you know when they did some market research that over 60 percent of their customers were actually white males and so you know this was this this was definitely wasn't the audience they were, thought they, they had. And a lot of times brands just make assumptions around who they think is buying their products and they really don't know. And so when we use this data that we collect in front of the machines and understand deeper insights, it really helps brands to target their consumer better and create products that their actual consumer is interested in and not based on assumptions that they make.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. No, that's good. And then those assumptions that, we, as we've seen throughout uh, the history in the last year, uh, and they've proved to be detrimental in terms of even targeting and, and reaching the audience. And they well, oftentimes,
1: without data, you must make assumptions. So that's why we're here to solve that data challenge.
2: God, perfect, perfect. The other aspect of what you do is obviously seeking investment. Who are the best type of people that could invest in what you're building?
1: I mean, the great thing about Popcom is that anyone, literally anyone can invest. We we opened a crowdfunding campaign in 2019 after raising over a million dollars from venture capital and accredited angel investors. I decided that I really wanted to open up the company to everyone who wanted an opportunity to get into an early stage technology deal. And, you know, it's a risk when you invest early. The earlier you invest, the higher risk, but the higher risk, the higher the reward. So, a lot of us People that look like me and people that don't make $200,000 a year, they were left out of these deals because they were not considered to be an accredited investor. So now we are accepting investment again. We raised money in 2017. I was the first female founder to raise over a million dollars to a crowdfunding campaign. we raised another million dollars last year in 2020, and now we're raising 5 million. And of that 5 million, we've closed um, 1.1 million as of today. So we're raising another 4 million. And it's on start engine and anyone that's interested in learning more about how they can invest can go to startenginecom forward slash popcom and in all of yeah. them.
2: Here. All right. And, and, and I'm on popcom.shop slash investors. Does that take them to the same place? Yep,
1: take you to the same place.
2: Take the same place. And and, and you know, Kings, Queens and royalty, if you're listening, join, you can join 4,700 And I'm sure it's more than that. Investors from around the world, as she said, it's, it, it, it's a, it's a global business, but, Anyone can invest, so this is a chance for you to be, uh, you know, an owner in something that is going to be a mainstay in, you know, in the near future, if not already.
1: Definitely is, and we've got a lot of validation lately. You know, as a business owner, you're always, you know, we come up with these ideas and we we want people to get it. And and for me, it took many years for the general investment and business community to understand what I'm doing. But this year was an amazing year for validation. We were featured. We're in Forbes magazine this month and on Forbes digital, they came to a shot our office and shot our vending machine and did a really nice piece on us in Forbes. Also an entrepreneur magazine this month the print version. And so it's getting, after working so hard as a team for several years and really being the outlier, we're finally getting, you know, the credit and the validation for truly innovating the automated retail space. There's nothing like what we're doing. And we, you know, we have a patent on a very unique machine that's going to change the way people
2: vending machines i think forever No, this is amazing I, i'm so excited to see how you know how many people get to invest for this and you have you have tiers right you, you've got yeah. the the silver the gold and then and then you've got the platinum emerald and then obviously i'm sure people can have custom and, and, and diamond but yeah. it, it, there are multiple areas and you can invest you can do as low as 250 from what i'm seeing here so mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can go as much as you want to do that. So uh, a lot of investors that invest
1: 10,000 some investors
2: that invest $250. Exactly. And that's. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. It's, this is so cool. Cause I, 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 I get, it. I have a lot of guests who come on the show. This is, you're going to be like the 500 and I think 70 something. Wow. <laughs> so at th- throughout this, this has been done over almost seven years. Yeah. You'd be the 577th. And, uh, and so. Wow. it It. it many times, sometimes, you know, people have already built the business uh, and it's, they've closed the funding. You're building and have built businesses. And this is a chance for people to to continue. And so I'm so excited, uh, you know, to be able to see the type of partners that, that, that will come from this, because uh, I imagine you'll be sending updates once they sign up, right? And, you know, yeah. this is where we are. They get,
1: monthly, uh, they get monthly email updates as investors. We have a private investor Facebook community. We do quarterly investor conferences, but now Because of COVID, we we did our last one on HopIn, and we still had about eight hundred investors join us. So we have have over five thousand investors.
2: That's brilliant. So um,
1: eight hundred is a great engagement, and we have very high engagement on our on our Facebook group too. So it's a community. It's 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 essentially a community of investors, and and they network with each other and they build and they invest in each other as well. So my goal was not only to of course, fund my business, but to create a community of investors. People always say Black people don't invest. I'm sure at least 85% of my investors are Black. They'll say, you know, you don't know. We don't know investors. Where can I find them? I literally have 5,000 plus investors.
2: There you go. So there you go.
1: There they are. They exist.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I know we don't have a lot of time here, but I, I love that we've covered a lot. So just in summary, for those listening, multi. More, she, she's built several businesses. It, growing up in many of our communities, a lot of times, because of of the limited system that doesn't allow for multiple uh, types of people, sometimes to to express themselves, you, you're often told narratives that aren't true. You can't build a business, but that that isn't what you know. Don is showing, and that actually is something that you can do as well, right? You can build a business or be a business owner. By changing your mindset from thinking that you only have to be uh, someone that that works for others if you, you know, you participate in this. And also, I love the fact that what Don has been saying is is always position yourself as someone that can that can solve a problem if if it relates to you. You know, sometimes you deal with things, whether it's with hair, shaving, or whatever you you know, it is, is you're going through. Always think about the other side and think about how you can position yourself as uh, someone that can solve that problem. And then there are partnerships do you can you can uh, develop by doing the research. Research is key. And then, hey, whenever opportunities like this crowdfunding come up, these the, this is the future of, of entrepreneurship. See if you can participate, right? That's part of the being part of uh, the ecosystem of the future. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, before I get to the final question, where can people... Reach out. I know I'm going to put the opportunity to invest in the show notes, but um, you know, how can they reach out to you otherwise?
1: They can definitely find me on LinkedIn. I'm very engaged on LinkedIn and that's where I do, you know, my business connections and in conversation. So the best way to reach me if you want to just connect one-on-one is on LinkedIn at under Don Dixon. I am married now with Don Dixon apagane but on all social media, I'm still Don Dixon
2: niger nor de carry last. That's right. Okay, so, so sorry, only a few people will understand what I'm saying, but it's a, oh. it's, a it's a popular Nigerian saying. Last Absolutely. question, yes. Last question, uh, uh, Don is my mission statement reframed as a question. My mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So, how do you, Don, use your difference to make a difference?
1: I love that, and and I use it to make a difference by just being generous with my resources and my knowledge and information. People just don't know what you don't know. I've learned a lot of things the hard way. So every time I come across some information that I feel can be life-changing and money-saving and, you know, help people from not failing, I share that information. I, I write my blogs. I do a lot of interviews and, and podcasts and just share everything that I, that, that I know. I'm an open book because I feel that no one else's success is going to affect mine and, and and what I can do is just when I get access to information and and just ways to, to get past many barriers that we have I just it's my obligation to share and pay it forward
2: beautiful beautiful make sure to put that in the show notes this has been Don Dixon apogante uh, I got it right I hope I got it right yes, yes pogany and um, I'll make sure to uh, create the opportunities but thank you so much thank you so much for coming on the show for having me the pleasure is mine King's queens and royalty till next time